As always, I want to start the pod with some thank yous on some reach outs that I've had over the last couple of weeks. Again, I've been astonished and taken aback by the amount of people that have reached out and, and given me feedback and re-engaged with me after a long, long time. Complete mixture of people. So, you know, really, really thanks to Gary, Jules, Ben over at Infinitive, Shankar, Josh, Russ. Um, there's a few other people to mention in particular that have given me some specific feedback about how they feel that listening to the first couple of podcasts has affected them. Gavin has given me some feedback, which is brilliant. You know, it's made him focus on his own life, his personal life, his professional, how that blends together, that blend of career and home life balance and focusing on new opportunities, which is which is great. Tammy has given me some great feedback who I used to go to school with, actually. Haven't spoke to her in probably about 20 years-ish. She believes that I can change the business for the better. She likes the attitude and positive nature of the podcast. It's making her strive to do better. It's also making her look at what she's doing at the moment and how she's affecting people and how people affect individuals is very, very powerful, her outlook in life. And also she had a perception that leaders don't care what happens to staff at a different level in a business and that that my mindset is different. Um, and also from from Jerome who has mentioned that it's motivating him to self-reflect a bit more and do more and push on some more in his career. So thank you very, very much for the feedback. Keep it coming. I'll make sure I start every single podcast with some thank yous and some reach outs as well. And I'm really, really proud. I'm really happy that the podcast so far, even only in its second or third episode, is having an effect on people, which is absolutely fantastic. But without further ado, I want to get straight into it. I've had an absolute hell of a week, tons of ups, tons of downs, and some real big challenges along the way since I last caught up with you. So I feel like I'm at the end of a week and I need a reflection and I need a counselling session with everybody that's listening. So I'm hoping at the end of this, I feel a bit better than what I do now. I'm probably a four out of 10. So uh, without further ado, I want to get into the next episode um, of The Silent Entrepreneur by me, Aaron Curtin. So the first thing I wrote in my pad is holiday. So some of you may or may not know how to how to get away for four or five days with my partner Sophie to Tenerife recently. Had a lovely time, nice to chill and relax and reflect on some stuff. Uh, four and a half hours there, four and a half hours back on a plane. So I made sure I spent my time um, using that effectively. May have got a bit drunk on the way there, but definitely not on the way back as you do. And there's one thing that really um, hit me on one day at the beach. So we're at the beach in Tenerife and there was a group of kids playing in front of us, making some noise. So I couldn't really, couldn't really chill out because they were shouting and screaming and loads of different things. And I sat up and I just watched them for a minute and I watched them building sandcastles. And it was really, really interesting because watching what they were doing, these two or three kids I don't think they were English from somewhere else. Couldn't understand what they were saying at all, but they were building sandcastles together. And I just found that they were building and rebuilding these sandcastles over and over again. And what basically was happening was 
they were building a sandcastle next to the sea. They'd build a moat around it. The sea would lap up. It was quite early in the morning, so the sea was quite cold. They'd be sitting around it. They'd sit in the middle of this moat and this sandcastle they were building. The sea would lap in. It would knock everything over. It would give them a real short slash of cold water. They'd jump up. Their sandcastle would be completely obliterated. And then they'd move slightly further up the beach and they'd go and build another one. And then they would go and build another one and it'd get smashed down. They'd get wet. They'd get cold. They'd move to another one. And they must have done this probably 15 or 20 times in total until they just went and swam in the sea. And I sort of reflected on that a little bit and I looked at it and I thought, when you're, when you're a kid, you don't have any fear, do you? You know, if I think back to when I was a kid, you never have any fear. I used to do BMX and used to go over jumps, used to jump high in the air, used to fall off, used to crack on again. And, and you didn't have a care or a fear in the world. And I think when you get into adulthood and you've got stuff to lose, I think there becomes a fear of losing stuff, a fear of making a mistake, a fear of being looking like a bit of an idiot when you're making decisions. And I think what I got from that was that kids are really, really resilient. Um, they spent time perfecting the sandcastles. Like these sandcastles must have got knocked down 15 or 20 times. And they were spending time to perfect every single one, even though they knew they were going to get smashed to bits and be completely wet through. And what I sort of gained from that is you've got to stay in the game, whether it's business, whether it's life, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs, you've got to stay in the game and you've got to be resilient. You've got to have no fear to get cold and get wet in life. You've got to have no fear. You've got to keep going. You've got to be resilient. So one really, really short point that I gained from probably about half an hour sitting at the beach, other than getting red and not very tanned, was early in the morning was watching these kids build sandcastles being really resilient and learning that skill at an early age. So my top tip very, very early in this podcast is be a kid building a sandcastle. Get wet, rebuild, go again. Get wet, rebuild, go again and again and again and again. So I also had some drama over the last few weeks um, about my hand. So sort of just telling the story a little bit with a bit of background uh, knowledge if you if you haven't seen it on social media or I haven't shown you it in person. Um, I am probably not the best handyman in the world. I've got all the gear, but no idea most of the time. Uh, when I first moved into to, to our house, when we moved in with Soph about a year, just over a year ago now, um, within a week, no, actually within a couple of days, I was putting up a unit and I decided to go and plunge a screw straight through a water pipe and flood the downstairs, which I was absolutely <laughs> so upset about at the time. I thought I'd ruin the whole house that we've been waiting for for months and months on end. And that's kind of, uh, uh, a testament to how poor I am at DIY, really, I suppose. Um, but she lets me do it anyway. Um, but in terms of my hand, I injured my hand and shoved scissors into my hand accidentally, which burst an artery. And it was it was spurting up in the air, blood for, for a good 20 minutes, half an hour, two, three inches in the air. Uh, it didn't actually hurt, but it was just, you know, there's so much blood coming out and it was a bit of a panic, really, to be quite honest. It was going absolutely everywhere. And I was stripping this wire away from me with some sharp scissors and I got caught on some plastic and I couldn't get through the plastic with the scissors so stupidly um, and for all you handymen out there and all you tradesmen out there who probably think I'm a bit of an idiot but stupidly not thinking about it I just turned the scissors towards me shoved them down the wire and was just trying to 
trying to push down and I pushed down too far. It got through the plastic and just plunged straight into my hand, pulled it straight out and it was bleeding everywhere. Advice from my family was, listen, you need to go A&E now. I had a tie around my wrist. I was holding it in the air for about half an hour to try and let it stop. I had a towel around it. Um, it didn't hurt at any point. It was just bleeding everywhere. So I wanted to sort of just settle myself down, take some deep breaths and just stop, stop the bleeding really. My daughter had a dance competition, uh, sorry, a dance um, performance at Derngate in Northampton, which we've been waiting for for months and months and months. And I've never, ever missed one of her performances in all the time she's been doing it. She's 16 in November. She's been dancing since she was 18 months old. And I've never once missed a performance. So um, I really wanted to get this stopped because the performance was starting in about an hour and a half. I was meant to drive there, pick my parents up to go and watch watch her dance in a show. So I desperately tried to stop the blood. We we put loads of things over it. We put about three plasters, six strips, a bandage, and then some tape over it. I thought it had stopped. I put my hand down past my sort of head and heart level, and it started going again. So we had another half an hour of calming the bleeding down. And really, in reality, I should have just gone to A&E. Um, I ended up strapping it up and going to watch her dance performance with that, my hand on my shoulder, looking like a bit of an idiot. But I was glad I did. She did a fantastic job. Super proud of her. One of the best performances I'd seen. And I'm really, really glad that I didn't miss it. But it stopped bleeding after that. So um, I ended up trying to play football the next day. It started to bleed again. So I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm being stupid. Advice from my family was, you are being stupid. For once, listen to us. I've not got a habit of listening to my family all the time. I'm quite independent. I want to do what I want to do. And my mum and parents and my brother and my partner were like, look, it's going to get infected. You're stupid. You need to go to A&E. So at that point, I didn't know that I'd burst an artery, by the way. Um, if I'd have known that, I'd have gone straight down probably day one. But anyway, I went down to A&E and managed to get patched up, glued up. And over the next sort of week, week and a half, it got massively infected. The pictures are awful. There's black and brown going down my arm and it was covering fingertips all the way down some of the bottom of my you know probably about two or three centimeters past my wrist and I couldn't hold anything it was filling up with blood and was clearly still sort of bleeding underneath the skin so I had sort of two three trips to A&E doctors plastic surgeon minor injuries um, at the hospital anyway the reason why I'm giving you the background knowledge on this is that prior to that and prior to going away I'd spent four or five weeks committing to my gym routine, which is really important to me because I want to make sure I look good, I feel good in what I'm wearing and I'm confident and that helps me do that when I feel like I'm looking good and I'm working out three, four times a week. I did a new routine, I bought a new kit for the, gar- for, for the garage where I work out. I cut out chocolate, sweets, alcohol and takeaways for four or five weeks prior to going on holiday because I thought, you know what, I want to challenge myself. I'll probably eat normally this is going to sound really, really bad. I'm glad this is not a healthy eating podcast, but it is an honest one, so I'm going to say it anyway. Probably eat whilst I'm out and about and in the evenings at the weekends, probably a total of something like six and eight or nine takeaways a week, which is awful, I know. Spend a load of money doing it, probably in really unhealthy food, pizzas, KFCs, McDonald's, etc., whatever's convenient. Probably drink a couple of times a week, which I wanted to knock on the head. And I'll probably go through, me and my partner, I'm dropping her in it now as well, probably go through a couple of bags of sweets and chocolate a night. And you didn't hear that wrong. I mean a night. So quite a lot, really. And I thought, you know what? I want to be in control of that. And I want to prove to myself that 
I can eat sensibly and I can look good for the holiday and I can sort of turn that on. So I spent weeks and weeks, no takeaways, no drink, no alcohol, no chocolate, no sweets. And for me, that was a massive test because I used to eat so much of it. And I'm not, I'm not, it's not a bad thing. You know, I quite like eating it. I've got a bad diet, but I work out and try and keep a good balance so I don't want to clean eat for the rest of my life because I don't enjoy it I enjoy eating and I enjoy having a drink every now and again the same as every 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 normal person does really but what I'm telling you about that and about my hand is because the hand happened probably about a week and a half before the holiday two weeks before the holiday so um, actually I think it was a bit more than that I think it was about two and a half three weeks before the holiday so I couldn't do anything with my hand I went into the garage Anything that got my blood pumping around my body was sending pains going down into my hand. My hand was filling up with blood. It was impossible for me to play football, go running, do any weights in the garage, pull, push, anything at all. And and coming from being on my 28th week at that point of doing three to four of my exercises every single week and not missing a session, it was a huge setback for me. And I felt like I'd work so hard to clean eat, clean drink and be working out, you know, pretty much half of a year to get to a point where I could go on holiday and feel great. And the hand happened three weeks prior. And you might be thinking, Do you know what, it's only three weeks. How's that going to make you feel? But psychologically, and anybody that's gone to the gym knows this. Um, and I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, you can relate to this. Even if you've not been to the gym for a year, you look at you, you look at yourself in the mirror, and you think, Do you know what, I've looked better. I don't like that. That's not going to fill me with much confidence going out into the wide world. As soon as you go and do one gym session, you feel 10 times, 20 times better and you actually view yourself completely different. Um, I know a lot of people do it with clothes. As soon as you buy a new item of clothing, you put it on, you feel so much better than you did. Well, actually, you're the same person. You're just wearing a slightly different item of clothing. You've only done one gym session. That's actually going to have zero effect probably on or 0.001% effect on your body and the way you look. But psychologically, it has an effect on the way you feel and the way you see yourself, which, in my opinion, is the important thing in terms of how you feel, how confident you are. So getting me set back and going out of my gym routine for three weeks prior to going on a holiday was a huge setback for me. And it really, really did my head in because playing football, doing a bit of running once a week, going to training where I can uh, with the Sands team working out three to three, four times a week, you know, that is an outlet for me to get up at half past five in the morning, go and do a workout, go walk the dog and go to work and get on with my day or log on and go and work from home and get on with my day um, or go to a meeting. So it threw me out of that routine of getting up early. It had a huge knock on effect to how I felt and it really felt like it held me back a little bit. So, you know, training, workouts, running football, I couldn't do any of it. I couldn't even walk the dog or run up and down the stairs too fast because it got my blood pumping too much and really was tremendously painful on my hand. So what I sort of learned from that is the adaptation and in terms of what I was started to do, I couldn't even text with my left hand and I don't text with my right. I'm right-handed, but I don't text with my right. I text with my left. So I've actually found there was small adaptations that I had to do to get through that period in my own head and in my way that I went about my work and my personal life. I found like I was sending voice notes to everybody because it was easier for me to hold a button down than press a load of keys. And I'm sure 
quite a lot of people probably got very annoyed that I kept voice noting them all the time rather than just texting them or calling them. But I was doing voice notes all the time. I was making phone calls rather than sending emails that I couldn't put together because I only had one one hand to do it and it would take me forever and a day to go and do it. I think it's important to deal with the setbacks, reset, refocus. And the one big thing that I learned from that over and above that really, really annoying three weeks prior to going away, uh, the one big takeaway that I had from all of that is that I should listen to my family more. That's the big takeaway for me. I've never really listened to my family too much. My mum's never told me to take a risk, but I always wanted to take a risk. My brother's quite conservative, whereas I'm a bit more of a risk taker. And I'm not saying any of those examples are wrong or right but everybody is different and they're they're inclined to go and do their own thing and I'm absolutely always been somebody that has done their own thing and rarely listen to advice and just go and crack on myself and see what happens so the one bit of advice that I'll give you on that and the one takeaway that I have is to listen to my family more when shit gets real and things get serious listen to your family so the next element that I want to talk about that I wrote down was relating to wins and all I've wrote down on my pad here is wins and gestures and emotional orgasms. Sounds a bit weird, right? Yep, you've tuned into the right podcast. Wins, gestures and emotional orgasms. So what I mean by that is, and I've wrote down a couple of things underneath this as well, just to talk about, is from the negative that I had in the last podcast of losing somebody out of my business that I had a, a super strong friendship with and I massively respected. And from that low point, and if you listen to the last podcast, for me, it was done correctly. It was the right thing for both parties, but it was a definite low point for me. So from, from going there weeks ago to actually looking at some of the things that we've done as a business um, and I've done personally and people have done for me and the company in the last few weeks has been a complete revelation, really. We've had some of our biggest, well, actually, I'll say some of our biggest wins. We, As a business, we've had our first half a million pound value contract come on board with us that was signed up by Tom uh, with Guru on a brand new product, which is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, it's going to go live early part of next year, and it's our biggest contract value to date. And the contract spend over that term of five years is over a half a million pounds. To put that into a perspective, in our first year of trading, we turned over £330,000. So um, in that particular contract over a five-year period, um, you know, it's another 200 odd grand in, in turnover more than what we turned over as a whole company in our first year. So that just gives you a bit of an indication of the, the size of deal that is. And it's on a, on a product that, that is new to us, um, but not new to our suppliers. So it's actually added a new dimension to what we can offer customers, a new standard of product that we can offer to customers as well, and a new relationship with a quality um, experienced supplier in that, in that space, which is developing other opportunities and other commercial wins as well as we go. So it's been an absolutely fantastic deal to get over the line and kudos to Tom for working very, very hard over the last six to eight months to make that deal happen. And it's a real deal that makes a difference to our company and how we move forward and how aggressively we move forward as well. And, and if you just said to me, you know, I've always been a positive person. I've always wanted to, you know, since I was 24, 25, wanted to start my own business, 
in this in this uh, arena. But even even me at the start of when we started this company, when we started it on an absolute shoestring with money from my brother um, and help from my sister, you know, I didn't dream of even at that point dream of large contracts like that coming on board with us. I always had confidence that we could do a great job. Always had confidence that we would serve customers really well. We would look after staff. We would do a brilliant job with what we have. But it seems so far-fetched and so far away for us to look at contracts that were going to be a million pound, two million pound, half a million pound in, in, in revenue. But we've hit a milestone and it's a great milestone. And now we want to look at when our next million pound contract is going to come in. So that's good. That's been a, a massive win. Um, I also landed, a, landed uh, a deal that I've been working on for, for three years. And I think the kind of the work that's been put into that, the relationship that I now have personally with that individual and that business is really strong. And, you know, I want to deal with that business forever and a day until this business closes in God knows when. So I'm really, really happy with that one. And again, I think, look, three years in this in this industry, perseverance, um, endurance, resilience, taking those knockbacks, coming again, learning, doing better next time. You know, that was that was throughout that three years. And, and off the back of that, for me personally, I feel like as a business, we've gained a fantastic client for a long time with a great solution for them. We've helped transform their business and help them on their journey through technology changes over the next couple of years. And for me personally, I've gained a friend in terms of the person that makes the decisions in that company. Um, and I believe I've gained a friend for life. We've also had a launch of a new product over the last two, three weeks, which was bit, we've been piloting it for uh, a number of months, we've launched our IT support product, which is really, really exciting. And that's been sort of led by a lady in our business called Paige, who is a gold certified Microsoft engineer, among other things, a very talented, very clued up individual who we think has got a fantastic future with our business. So that's been very, very exciting. And that's going to go absolute bang over the next few months with our customers. I also spent a day with uh, with Hazel, which was brilliant. I've known Hazel for too many years uh, that I can remember. I've got a great relationship with Hazel. Um, I went and saw her at her house, drove a couple of hours to go and see her and have a day with her. I want to make sure I do that every single month. Jay, um, Jay is Hazel's partner, is a fantastic guy. Love them both dearly. Had a fantastic day and was taken aback really when she presented me with a new diary, which she put some thought into researching in terms of what it had in it and some of the content. So I thought that was really, really good. And I really wanted to mention that because this, this, what I wrote on the page at the start of this topic was wins and gestures. And I think that's a really thoughtful gesture. And I think going back on some of the, the one of the elements that I ended with the last podcast, which is doing simple things like saying thank you and well done and good job and nice work. I think a gesture like that is uh is nice to receive and and uh i was very very grateful and i will be using that diary absolutely also a bit of positive news that happened over the last couple of weeks is one of our what our first ever staff member brit uh successfully exchanged on her house which is brilliant and i'm very very proud of her um the reason why i want to mention it is because not because She's got everything in my garage, and I'm currently recording the podcast in the garage again, which seems to be the go-to location. 
and I'm not happy to, to, to let, to let all the stuff go, uh, in a few months time. But I'm really, really proud that she's gone and achieved something that means so much to her and her situation with her partner. I love Brit. She's great. She's one of Sophie's friends. She's our first ever person that's come into Guru. She looks after all of our customer service, our account reviews, and all of our inbound um, uh, traffic from a service point of view on all of our products. She's essential to the running of the business, provides great service levels, and she's a great girl, uh, great personality, and she brings vibrancy and, and a different way of approaching things to the business, which is which is exactly what we're about. Having letting people have their individuality in the way that they approach tasks and being different and living and dying by that. But the one thing that comes to my mind was that the first day Brit started with the business, I sat her down after her doing eight or nine years in hairdressing, starting with us and doing something completely different. I asked her what her goals were. And bear in mind, this is coming from a girl who, when the phone started to ring, considering her job was to answer it, she was too scared to answer the phone. And she wasn't very confident. She didn't know what to say, which is no disrespect to her, but she was learning. She, she didn't have the confidence to just get straight in, jump in and do it. Um, thankfully, after a few times and a little bit of support and a bit of coercing, she started to speak to people and build her confidence. And, and she's not looked back and she's a different person now to what she was then. And there's been a real transformation, which is you know, amazing to, to see. And it gives me a lot of genuine happiness and joy to talk about it. But her conversation that I had on her first day, like I have with a lot of people is, look, you know, what are you looking to achieve in the next couple of years? What are the big things in your life? What's important to you? Let's get to know each other. Let's understand what those things look like. And let's, let's work together over the next few years to see if we can make those things happen for you. And one of her things was a house. And she said, Aaron, I want to be a homeowner one day. I said, great. When do you want to do that? What type of house do you want? She didn't go into what type of house she wants. She didn't really care at the time. But what she said, and she followed that with, which was quite upsetting at the time for me, was I'm never going to be able to do that. Someone like me is never going to be able to do that. Is never going to be able to buy a house. And fast forward this amount of time, fast forward a couple of years, and she, during the last couple of weeks, has successfully exchanged on her first home fantastic couldn't be more prouder and that is what it is all about um we've also as a business hit a hundred five star google reviews for our service which again is is brilliant and absolutely you know fantastic to talk about and the reason why all of those i mean all of those things have happened over the last few weeks so it's been a really busy time and there's been so many wins and gestures and positive elements to it and the reason why I talk about emotional orgasms is because when the deal for a half a million quid in revenue came in, when I found out the Brit Exchange on her house, when I received that, that diary gesture from Hazel, when we launched our new product into the marketplace, when we signed up our first couple of customers on that new product, when we hit 100 Google reviews, all of those elements are just mini positive but tremendously euphoric positives in my life and I felt after each one of those I felt like on absolute cloud nine I felt proud it was a raw emotion I felt pride I felt happy um, I felt a euphoria I felt like I want to do more I felt like it I felt like anything could happen and I was absolutely bulletproof at that point point in time and I think because for me as a leader, it's important to care about those things and care about the people behind them. You know, I was I was obviously proud that 
we signed up a big deal. I was proud that we hit our Google reviews. I was proud that Brit got our house and I was proud of all those things. And they were fantastic because I genuinely love the people that have, have gone and achieved those things. And, and the, the pride and the euphoria for me wasn't for the business. It wasn't for me. The euphoria and the orgasmic level euphoria for me was understanding that signing up that big deal, what is that going to do to someone's life? Getting that house secure, what is that going to do to that person's life? How is that going to make them feel? And they've done all of that under the wing and on the guru plane, on the guru boat. They've done that under the guru brand. but They've done it for themselves, but they've used the business to help them go and achieve that. That is exactly one of the three main reasons, if not the biggest reason of the reason why we started this business in the first place. And to actually see that happen in front of your eyes and see the euphoria and the happiness in those people and the sense of achievement was was brilliant. And um, if I could bottle that and sell it, I'd be a very, very rich man and I'd take a bit of that every single morning. But off the back of all those wins, you know, they've happened for a reason. There's a lot of hard work that's gone on, a lot of months and months and years and years of hard work and experience and learning that's happened. And I've just finished a, a book actually uh, called The Compound Effect that I've really, really enjoyed. It's taken me a bit more time to read it because I've been been busy doing other things. But The Compound Effect book has been great and I, I really do uh, recommend it. And the reason why I want to mention it is because we're talk- we've just spoken about a lot of achievements that have happened with the business and a lot of achievements that have happened with person- per- me personally, other people personally that are connected with the company, friends and family. But those things don't just happen overnight. And you can't snap your fingers and change your life. You can't snap your fingers and buy a house. You can't snap your fingers and go and sign up a deal for half a million pound in revenue. You can't snap your fingers and get to 100 Google reviews, five star. You can't do that overnight. It's a lot of work and consistency over a long period of time with a lot of effort and teamwork to be able to get to that point. Um, So the three main takeaways that I've had from from that Compound Effect book, just to explain actually what it's all about, is Compound Effect is the effect that changing very, very small things on a consistent basis has. And if you can sustain that and keep doing that consistently day in, day out, that makes the big changes in your life. It's not a snap your fingers, change your life scenario. It takes time, it takes consistency, it takes routine, um, and it takes doing and changing things, you know, consistently every single day. So there's three main points that I've sort of taken from that book. Number one is it's pay attention to the small things. Keep progressing every single day in a small way, day in, day out. Make sure what you're doing every single day is sustainable and make sure it's building a small amount of momentum every single day to move forward, whether it be your life, how you feel, or whether it be your business. Number two, the next thing that I've wrote down here is to, and I've found this work really, really well with me, actually, um, and I, I, I definitely, definitely try this if you're listening to the pod um, and empower friends and family and colleagues and peers to try this as well is physically and it's important you do this physically write down on a bit of paper don't write it anywhere else don't think about it don't pretend you're going to go and do it another time physically get a stop the pod now go and get a bit of paper right write down restart the pod and write down all of the behaviors and attributes needed to go and achieve your goals and what you want to achieve when you write them down see if you can take two or three of those attributes and behaviors and see if you can apply them within your normal daily, weekly, monthly structure, whether it be work, 
or whether it be personal or whether it be a mixture of both. One thing to consider here is you've got to be honest about those behaviors and attributes. If you're not honest, they're not going to be accurate and they're going to work for you. And you've got to understand that you're responsible for your actions. So just by writing them down is the first step, but it doesn't do anything. It highlights those behaviors and those attributes needed to achieve that goal. In order to go and actually make that turn into reality and start moving closer to that goal, making those small, subtle changes every single day and start to apply those behaviors and attributes that you need to go and achieve that goal and be responsible for those actions. Get yourself in a good routine. Be consistent. Can you ask yourself, can you sustain this plan every single day? I mean, I have a, a plan on a weekly basis, a monthly basis and a daily basis. When I look at my plan, I look at it a week in advance. So I look at it and think, right, OK, maybe next Thursday I've got too much on. Maybe I need to rejig it. Maybe that's not sustainable. Maybe I can't do that for a long period of time. Maybe I need to move things and change things up a little bit. Um, so you need to understand when you've got that kind of written down and you start to apply those things and you become responsible and consistent, it will start to develop a routine. Can you sustain that routine? Is it sustainable? If it's not sustainable, you won't stick to it. You'll do it for a month and then it'll it'll peter away. You'll do it for a week and then it'll peter away. What the compound effect is all about is over time, breaking through barriers, pushing those limits and obstacles, but by doing it, by changing subtle things and becoming consistent and in a routine and sustaining that routine over a long period of time and that's the last element there it's it's get uncomfortable embrace your challenges push through limits push through obstacles push away from the comfort zone and you'll find it easier to do that if you break it down you'll find it easier to do that if you don't just snap your fingers and think you can do it i use a lot of sporting analogies you can't just not train and turn up on a football pitch and run around for 90 minutes the same as somebody that's been training for a year. You can't just get underneath a bench press and bench press 120 kilos if you haven't lifted anything in the last 12 months, you know, unless you're super strong. Um, you can't sustain it. What you need to do, you need to up your weight every now and again. You need to start small. You need to start building it up. You need to start incrementing that weight on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. You need to be consistent. You need to get into your routine and you need to sustain it for maybe four to six months. And then maybe you'll be strong enough to go and month six, maybe you'll go and push that 120 kilos or maybe you'll go and run around for 90 minutes and you won't be blown out your backside. But it's important to, to, to understand that. And the other elements that, that, that I've taken from that book as well, making sure you're making your own choices, Make sure that you've got habits coming through with your routines. That will help you drive momentum. That will help when you've got momentum and you're feeling confident and you're feeling good. That will help you influence other people and that will accelerate the business and that will accelerate your, your inner circle personally. A couple of quotes that I thought were quite good from the book as well. You will never change your life until you change something you do daily. Success is in your daily routine. And one other quote that I quite like from the book is small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals amazing and radical results. Enough said about that. There's also a short point that I put into the book as well, which I'm going to try and do uh, over the next, uh, well, immediately really, I've, I've already started to do it, is um, I want to make sure that I have hard stops for all meetings. So excluding customer meetings where, you know, 
sometimes they go on a little bit longer if you're demoing a product or if you're getting into some really good rapport building conversation. What I'm going to try and do with internal and external meetings that are not customers, I'm going to put a time limit and a hard stop on every single meeting. I've done it three, four times. I've met them. I've met those hard stops and been really disciplined and and consistent with them. I haven't always been in the past when I've tried to adopt this method, but it seems to be working over the last sort of week or so. It's meant that I can fit more stuff in. It means I can go from task to task. It means that sometimes I'm having a half an hour meeting, and whereas I may, you know, before have have had maybe an hour long meeting or a forty five minute meeting, it means that I can get more done and I'm more efficient. So um, why don't you try it? Hard stops for all meetings, and it's key at the start of the meeting is to say, look. We're here for half an hour. I need to be out of this meeting by half past 10. Um, that is the hard stop. I've got something else that I need to do or I've got another meeting to go into. So you have half an hour or you have 10 minutes or you have an hour. What I've found the benefits of that are so far is that the individual or individuals or teams or people that you're meeting with are more efficient. They get to the point quicker. You, ha- you, have, the, you have the debate about the point. You can agree things a lot easier and a lot quicker when people are a little bit more direct, less fluff, more conversation, more action, more initiative. And also it means that I can get more done and I'm more efficient, which makes me feel good and I'm more productive as a leader. So really small point, but I wrote it in the in, in my notepad anyway. Try hard stops for all meetings. So boxing fan or not boxing fan, most people probably watch the AJ fight against Usyk. And the reason why I want to bring this up is I've seen some parallels really with that fight and the conversation that I've had over the last couple of weeks with a couple of people internally and externally and some customers as well regarding egos in business. Now, some people think having an ego in business works for you. Some people, you know, think it works against you. I'll be interested in some feedback on that. So send me a, send me a message. My mobile number is 0754-750-700. Ping me a WhatsApp, give me a call. I'll be interested in understanding whether you think an ego works for or against you. But the reason why I mentioned the the AJ and Usyk fight, I'm not a boxing fan, by the way, so there might be some facts that I'll give you here that are not right. But like I said, it's not a sports podcast. Um, it's an honest one. So if I get it wrong, then I apologize. And I'm not a boxing specialist. But for me... I felt like AJ went into that fight thinking he was going to win. I think it's important to be confident, but I think that he has a tremendously big ego. And I think that's shown in that fight because I don't think AJ is a particularly good boxer. He had size on his side. He had reach on his side. He had weight on his side, but he didn't use any of those things. And Usyk outboxed him completely. And even when he was six, seven, eight, nine rounds and he was behind in the fight, he still tried to outbox Usyk. Sometimes you've got to play to your strengths. And I think the one, in my opinion, the one thing that stopped him, stopping outboxing someone that's a better boxer than you, sometimes you've got to change things up. Sometimes you've got to plough in. You've got to start fighting properly. You've got to start using your weight, shoving the opponent around, taking control and playing, not always by the rules, and playing a bit dirty and using that strength and size advantage. You've got to use what you have. And he's got all those things, but he didn't. he got bullied by Usyk, a smaller guy that was a better boxer than him. And I think the the one thing that I mentioned here around egos is I think Anthony Joshua's ego was too big and he didn't feel like he wanted to stop trying to outbox Usyk. He tried to outbox somebody that he couldn't outbox because the other guy was better, whereas he should have just done what he needed to do to win. And that's what I mentioned in terms of egos, whether it be personal or whether it be, whether it be in business. 
you know, one question that I've got is, can you build a personal brand with an ego? Can you build it without an ego? Will it work? Can you be content, you know, for that? If you, if you, how can you be content in your own life if you over egg your own importance? I don't get that. Surely if you're, if you're over exaggerating and over egging your own importance, how can you ever be content? It's an interesting point if you think about it. For me, to keep my ego in check, it's important to be equal to everybody. And in my business life, in my family, I'm just Aaron. In, at home, I'm dad. I'm, I'm, I'm a partner to Sophie. I'm just Aaron. That's it. To my friends, I'm Aaron. Um, that's it. You know, there's no job titles there. There's no, there's no hierarchy. There's no nothing. There's no ego. I'm just a, I'm just a guy that goes down the pub for a pint with his friends, or I'm a guy that goes out to, for a bite to eat, or I'm a guy at home that's cooking the dinner. So I think it's important to be equal to everybody and keep that ego in check. Because in my opinion, I don't believe having a super big ego actually works for you. It certainly doesn't work in our business because for me, job titles and, and ego and power trips just don't work. They slow things down. And, you know, if it was up to me, I'd just scrap all job titles because you go and do a job, you're as important as everybody else. I'm just as important as somebody else that's in the business. You know, Tom's just as important as Brit. Brit's just as important as Pete. Pete's just as important as John. John's just as important as me. And that's just the way it is. So that would be a top tip for me is, is, is you're never above anybody and be equal to everybody. Job titles mean nothing. I think also some people that have got tremendously big egos lose the ability to learn. They lose the ability to learn from other people that they seem to be better than. I think it's always good to learn from everybody. I can learn from anybody. Sometimes I go see a customer and it's a, a junior IT guy and I'll walk away from the meeting. The guy is 18, 20 years old and I've learned something. I've learned how to converse with a different type of individual. I've learned something about something that he's interested in. I've learned something about a product, a bit of technology. I've learned something about him as an individual. I've learned something emotionally because of how I've had to go and rapport build with somebody different. I think you can learn from everybody in life. You know, older people, you can learn, you can get experience, you can listen. And I think, I don't think people that have got a tremendously big ego do enough listening. Um, listening is really important. Being curious is really important. Nobody knows it all. No matter how long you've been in, in any industry, nobody knows it all. There's one thing being confident, but you need to understand that you're not the finished article and um, you never probably will be. I certainly am not. So the last topic that I wanted to touch upon is really, really important to me, actually. And it's more of a more of a personal topic, really. So it's about relationships. And I've wrote on the notepad here, how does your relationship affect your ability to be a business owner or an entrepreneur or a leader? And I think when I look at my life and I look at my experiences, um, in the past, in past relationships with various people, you know, I think when I look back, you know, they're not horrible people, they're not nasty people, but I look back and I think, how, how have they affected me, affected me as a person? How have they affected me as a leader and as a business owner? And I think back to feeling, you know, without support, feeling negative sometimes, feeling like there's always problems, there's always issues. Um, that I, you know, having the conversations that I work too much and that we've got different paths in life and having a sense of that other person having reliance on me, you know, saying things like, oh, Aaron, you've got your laptop out again. It's been two nights in a row now. You know, 
when are you going to get home? And you get that text message at three o'clock. You know, what time are you going to be back? When are you going to be back? And you get the text message at five o'clock. How long are you going to be? And I just don't think that when when you're speaking about personal relationships and how it affects you as a leader, I think it's really, really important to have the right type of partner. And I value that massively because of my experiences in my history and the experience that I have at the moment with my partner, Sophie. If I compare my past to my current, you know, Sophie's really easygoing, but she's got her own opinions. She's clever. She's logical, whereas I'm quite on the spare of the moment. Um, she sees other views and she wants her own independence. And I think that's really, really important because when you've got someone that's completely reliant on you, that's completely taking, taking, taking from you, whether that be emotion, time, energy, most of the time in a negative way and not actually putting anything positive into the part or into you, then, you know, it saps you of that energy to, to be successful and lead a business and lead a positive life. So for me, it's great that Sophie's got her own friends, she's got her own passion, she's got her own goals she want to achieve, she's got her own life, she's got her own independence. What she also does for me is she sees other views. Sometimes she doesn't agree with me and she says it in a way that doesn't get my back up. She says it in a way that gets me thinking, which means that I may or may not see things from a different point of view and challenges things in a positive way. Um, which I think is really, really important. So I think to have that balance in my experience is really important. And I don't think you can be happy, truly happy in life, even if you are working 100% of the time. You know, I just don't think you can be 100% happy in life unless you've got that balance. And for me, I always strived when I was younger of finding what they call the, in quotes, work-life balance. In my opinion, for me, I don't think there is a work-life balance. It's a life balance. If I choose to work longer one day, then I choose to work longer one day. If I choose to spend a day at home and not work, then I choose to spend a day at home. If I want to go and spend some time with the kids and then go into work, then I'll go and do that. If I want to go and drive five hours for an appointment and five hours back and stop over, then that's my choice. And I think that it's really, really important if you're successful and if you are starting a business, it is so unpredictable. And I think it's very, very important to have a partner that, has a basic knowledge and understanding of what you do. Now, Sophie doesn't know everything about what I do every single day. Um, I think I bore her to death because I talk too much, as you probably know. However, she does have a basic understanding of what the business does, how we operate, what's important, what it's trying to do, what it's trying to achieve and how it works. And what I'm, you know, what my personal and business makeup is as a person. And because of that, we share the lows together when it's difficult. We talk openly. We talk honestly about things. We also share the highs and we celebrate together. And she's also and probably one of the most important elements that she brings to the table for our relationship is the openness to unpredictability. So if I do pop a laptop open, it isn't an issue because she knows I need to do something. And there's no issue there. It's just right. He needs to get on with it. Let him get on with it. Um, and because she's independent, she's got her own things to do. She doesn't care and she understands and she gets it because she gets the business and she gets what I'm what I'm like. Um, so a real big tip for me with regards to relationships is find someone that supports you, but has their own independence and has their own challenges. And also a person that pushes back and pushes you in the right way around your decision making and challenges you in that decision making. You know, you need a yin and a yang. You need a blend. You need a balance. 
You know, she constantly asks me questions that I never, ever ask myself. And that's really, really important because that has changed my decision making in the past and and recently, actually. The ability, but she can't ask me questions that are relevant if she doesn't know about the business, if she doesn't understand. Um, and I also think that letting your partner into the successes and the troubles in your life and in business is a huge positive for your relationship and also adds value to how you lead your organisation. Wow. What a difference 50 odd minutes makes. Um, I came into this podcast feeling pretty low, four out of 10, absolutely knackered to be quite honest with you, drained in my own head, drained physically, mentally this week has been, has been a tough week, there's been ups, there's been downs, a lot of challenges and it's been a super, super busy one. But I'm ending this podcast probably about an eight or a nine out of 10 because some of the things that I've spoken about have really made clear in my mind and given me that motivation to move forward with with, with things. Um, talking about some of the wins that we've had as a company, some of the people that I care the most about and some of the things that they've gone and achieved over the last couple of weeks has given me that sense of euphoria again and given me a smaller dose of that, which has made me feel a lot better. Talking at the beginning about some feedback that people have had about the podcast and how they're using the podcast as part of their daily routine um, is brilliant. Um, and, I, and I feel super proud that you guys are getting something from it. Um Taking the drawback of my hand injury and moving forward with that, you know, it's given me some talking about that has helped me understanding, give me some strength that I can move forward and understanding that compound effect element of small changes, but consistently happening over time is, is, is super, super important as well. So, um, and ending with elements about my, my personal relationship at home has made me feel good because it makes me feel super, super lucky that I've got a fantastic network of people in my guru family, in my inner family, and I've got a fantastic section of of, of work crew, inner family, friends, um, and also a fantastic partner in, and, and set of kids as well. So it's made me actually end the podcast feeling really, really positive, albeit pretty tired. Uh, it's nearly midnight now, so uh, it's getting on a little bit after a, after a very long week. But it, it's made me feel really happy, really grateful, and really, really thankful. Um, speaking about thanks, keep reaching out to me. Um, I think I, I um, said my mobile number. Listen, I love hearing from people. I love hearing from some of the biggest highs over the last couple of weeks have been hearing from people I haven't spoken to in a long time. It really, really helps me. I'm pretty sure after that phone call, after those set of messages, that other person feels good too. So please reach out. Don't be shy. 07754 750 700. Um, you can get me on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, LinkedIn. We're now up on YouTube. You can listen to the pods on Spotify, Audible or SoundCloud. Um, the one, one big ask that I've got before you switch the podcast off and go about your businesses. Number one, please reach out to me. I really genuinely and I really, really mean it. It matters to me that you reach out. It has a difference in my life when people reach out to me. It gives me a dose of positivity. It gives me a dose of, 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 of great feeling. It gives me that euphoric feeling when people reach out to me and ask me questions and start getting into a debate and a conversation. I will respond to everybody, whether it's social media, whether it's messages, whether it's phone calls. I promise, and that is a promise from the honesty in this podcast, that I will respond to absolutely everybody as quickly as I can if you do reach out to me. And the other thing is, please subscribe to Spotify, Audible, SoundCloud. 
sometimes the pods are coming out a bit sporadic. I wanted I wanted to get them out every couple of weeks, but just with workload and and and, and different things going on, and when I can really sit down and reflect and think, um, it's proving slightly challenging to get those out exactly every two weeks. So please subscribe because it means that you can be notified as soon as as soon as a podcast is released. And the last thing is really really important to me as well is please add us on socials um, and please when you see posts from me please share them please like them please comment please get involved um, and pass the pod around to as many people as you know if i've had in the space of the last few weeks you know some feedback like i have from people like jerome tammy gavin russ josh ben jules gary shankar but but to name a few over the last week and a half only you know and having some great feedback that it's affecting their lives in a positive way. That makes me feel great. It makes them feel great. You know, why not pass that to as many people as possible so everybody can benefit? And the more people I'm reaching out to, the better I feel. I love helping people. I like helping myself. And like I said to you, I've come to, I've come in at the end of this week feeling absolutely physically and emotionally drained, feeling like crap, to be honest, feeling like I don't know how this podcast is going to go at least three or four out of 10 in terms of the way I feel. And I've ended the podcast feeling really positive and feeling like I've made a difference to myself and also anybody that's listening. So thank you very, very much for that. Have a great week. Have a great weekend, dependent on when you're listening. And honestly, I'm really, really, really grateful and thankful that you guys can be my personal therapists and counsellors once in a while. It makes a real, real difference to my life. So it'd be great to hear from you. Thank you very, very much. Speak soon.